Football is about the Jimmys and Joes and X's and O's. Blue 58! Blue 58! Check New York Bozo! New York Bozo! 28, Baker Bruce! It's time to get out the chalkboard and diagram some plays. Here's where it all starts right here. Let's play! G-Money Christmas! What the hell's going on out here? This is Inside Football with former Colts and NFL coach Rick Venturi. Hey, the Indianapolis Colts are a dangerous football team right now. They're coming off one of the more impressive regular season wins in recent memory. Now they're 6-5, and five, and the horseshoes are over 500 for the first time. Winners of five of their last six, and they're rolling with six games to go, looking to continue their push for a playoff spot. I'm Matt Taylor. Welcome, everybody, to Inside Football with Rick Venturi, who has 27 years of coaching experience in the NFL. Colts coming off a 45-15 win over the Bills. Rick, that was one of the more thorough, dominant games the Colts have played in a long, long time, and they really controlled the game from start to finish in the first quarter on. I know you really enjoyed that game from start to finish. Yeah, Matt, I don't know when I've ever really enjoyed a Colt performance that well. It's just been an awful long time. It was so dominating. I mean, I felt like that we got an unconditional surrender uh, from the Bills in the third quarter. Uh, I don't think there's any question this was the best complete performance, you know, against a team that was perceived as a top team, you know, with the with kind of the demons we were fighting. As mm-hmm. I told you on Sunday, uh, we got eight gorillas off our back right there. And what can you say about Jonathan Taylor? Um, and his up front, his Capitol Street Maulers, I mean, they made the Buffalo Bills cry. He is an absolute superstar right now. There's not a thing that he can't do. He outruns expectations every week uh, with something different. You know, 264 yards rushing as a team, 37 47 time of possession that is domination that really demoralized their football team and i thought defensively it was great because we stopped a guy that came in as a top tier quarterback this was another kind of demon that we've been fighting and made him look bad you know took the uh, seventh qbr guy in the league and i think he ended up with a 41 you know three turnovers uh we held digs down to nothing we did all the things that it's it's one thing to have our goals and our must. It's another thing to do them. Um, so I thought the special teams got a good, you know, they got a gift turnover, but they were there. They 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 continue to play flawlessly, <laughs> badly, incredible, and and most important, I think, in big games. And this is something that we normally do do well. Mm-hmm. Is I thought the Colts played a very clean game, and it shows in the penalties. You know, we just let Buffalo kill themselves, and they tend to do that with penalties. So, you know, it was really a a great day from that standpoint. And as I said, just enjoyable from beginning to end. Yeah, and as we double back and recap the game on offense, you obviously have to start with Jonathan Taylor, who had over 200 yards from scrimmage. He had those franchise-high five total touchdowns, Rick. And like you said, he just continues to exceed expectations. If that's possible, that's how good he's been. And you have to now submit him into the conversation for NFL MVP. He makes the extraordinary plays look very, very easy. And I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question, but I don't know if it's rhetorical so much anymore. Where would this team be right now without Jonathan Taylor doing what he's doing? No, there's no question about We have established an identity. Uh, we are running back centric. I mean, this kid is a superstar. 
my enthusiasm for him has been and always is unabashed. I don't apologize for a thing. Uh, you know, Chris Ballard's best professional decision of his life uh, was moving up to take Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan was the most undervalued player simply because the position is undervalued. And I thank those people, and I want to remind all those people that say that you don't draft a running back on the first round, that it's an undervalued position. Right. Well, you know, I think the nation is saying right now this is, you know, a guy that is legitimately, and it's not just you and I, it's a, it's a national feeling that this kid is an MVB candidate. And I think, you know, in that sense, uh, this hard knocks things ends up working to our favor because it gives him the national exposure uh, that he may not get. But I can't, there's not enough superlatives to talk about him right now. I mean, and you know what he does? He, he's one of those guys that elevates everybody else. That offensive line doesn't want to let him down. Those receivers downfield are blocking better than ever. They don't want to let him down. It's just, you know, like, you know, 200 and, you know, what is it, 204 yards and five touchdowns on a Sunday? Who does that? I, <laughs> I mean, know, I know. Is, that's incredible. <laughs> so, yeah, we're we're very fortunate there. And hopefully we can ride that horse all the way. All right. Then when you recap the game on defense from the Buffalo game, the defense gave up only 15 points, which means dating back to the Jacksonville game, the Colts have allowed only 32 points in the last two games. Uh, They tied a season high with four takeaways, three of those interceptions. The defensive line played really, really good. They played aggressive, Rick, but they also played discipline. They kept Josh Allen in the well for most of the game. They didn't let him beat him on the outside with those quarterback scrambles and those improvised plays like we saw last year in that playoff loss in Buffalo and on the outside or at least in the secondary they're playing much aggressive at corner which I know is a big thing for you yeah there isn't any doubt about it I mean we held the quarterback way below his numbers uh, and that's the first time since the 19 Holmes game Mm -hmm. Uh, you know he held him to 209 and a lot you know a lot of that was even garbage at the end most importantly 60 percent two picks uh, 41 QBR and a guy that came in in seven. So, you know, that's been the Achilles heel of the regime. It was wonderful to see that changing. I think part of the reason it's changing is what you just mentioned. We're playing a lot more aggressive on the corner, uh, a little bit more man-to-man, a little bit more fab for match. We're doing things to take people away. You know, three turnover picks really, really matters. Um, I think a play that could go unnoticed if you're not careful in the route is I thought two plays were significant. I thought Quiddy Pay's strip sack before the half was big. I was a little nervous there. I didn't want Buffalo to go down and really get anything and get momentum with the ball coming out in the second half uh, because that thing can change quickly. And Quiddy really pushed him back into a real deep field goal try that they, they missed it. If they'd have been closer, they would have made it. You know, And then I, I thought that Odom's interception there early – uh, on the two-man coverage, I thought he stepped right up there and got it. I mm-hmm. thought that was really, really good. And, you know, particularly when it came in a game, because this quarterback, this young kid, he has a tendency to have those peaks and valleys, you know, and he gets that bad body language when things aren't going good. And so to get one there early and to take advantage of it and turn it into a score uh, was was really huge. So there isn't any question that the defense did their part. They didn't have – 
the flat spot. There wasn't that, <clears throat> okay, here we go, you know, we're going to have a flat spot, now you're going to come back on us. We, we prevented that along with real good offense and special teams, and that's why it goes into probably Frank Reich's it, regime's best performance ever. All right, up next are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as we turn the page. Obviously, they come into the game as the defending Super Bowl champs. This is week number 12. They're 7-3. and three. They've already had their bye. They're in first place in the NFC South. They're 5-0 at, uh, at home. They're 2-3 and three on the road. They've lost two of their last three coming into this game, Rick, but they did beat the Giants last week 30-10 on Monday Night Football, so they did get right to a degree. They're guided by former Colts head coach Bruce Arians, and they've got a lot of former Colts coaches on that staff. They've got Clyde Christensen, Tom Moore, Harold Goodwin, Joe Gilbert's on the staff. Tom Brady, as we know, he holds every major NFL record there is. He's won an NFL high seven Super Bowls. He's got playmakers everywhere on offense. We'll talk about that. The defense is elite and slowing down the run. They are a very aggressive unit in blitz percentage there under Todd Bowles. What else stands out to you about the Buccaneers on the big picture heading into this game? Well, you're exactly right. You know, Bruce Arians and Tom Moore are great friends of mine, I, except for this Sunday. Uh, you know, we've worked together uh, over the years. I kind of know what makes them tick. And mm-hmm. they, do have a, they do have a cold handprint uh, uh, throughout their organization, really. Um, you know, and I think the big thing, you know, is that the Bucks really had a really good rebound Monday night. I mean, they had been playing poorly, to put it mildly, in those two games. You know, the loss to the Saints, and the Saints were banged up, uh-huh. had a third-team quarterback, Washington's 4-6. and six. You know, they didn't play very well, and then they came out and did a really good job Monday night. Uh, they were game-ready. Tom was on it. I think Gronkowski coming back really helps him. Uh, you know, and, and the Bucks are world champions, so, you know, they are the kind of team that can flip that switch and get it going what they have to. You know, offensively, uh, we know what we what to expect. I mean, we're playing uh, the GOAT here at quarterback. Uh, you know, when he's on, he's lights out. There's no doubt about it, and that's most of the time. You know, he's surrounded with a couple great receivers. Uh, Evans, who's uber-sized and can go get the 50-50 ball, loves one-on-one isolation. Uh, Godwin, who's becoming one of the best go-to guys, whether it's outside or inside in the slot, doing a lot of things on screens and slots. He's the guy that's getting the most action, really, as far as targets. And then I think that really makes it different when Gronk is there. Uh, you know, Gronk missed those two games that they lost. When he comes back, he just gives them, he gives you isolation and matchup problems. And Tom knows that. And Tom's been so tight with him over the years. He just knows when to go with him. So, you know, they, uh, you know, they, they're strong that way. I think they've had some issues. I don't think their offensive line has been the cornerstone uh, like it was in 20 when they won a world championship. I think the inside of their line has struggled. Marpet, their left guard struggled. And then he went out. Uh, he was replaced by Stinney at left guard. But I think they have uh, some issues there. Uh, but overall, their numbers are really, really outstanding. Uh, defensively, I, you know, again, they have the really good rush numbers. Uh, they've really struggled with the pass. I don't feel that, you know, with my eyes rather than the stats that they've played as well as they did in 220 and 220 in the end of 219, this was a dominating defense. I mean, they were stifling, um, Todd Bowles, as you know, 
uh, Todd B. Bowles, I call him Todd B., and the B stands for blitz. He's going to bring pressure more than anybody in the league. You know, by nature, they're a pressure team because they're a hybrid 34 team with Jason Pierre-Paul on one side and Barrett on the other side. And those two guys really are rushers, even though they're defined as outside linebackers. So you can bring them most of the day, which brings you five just to start with. And so, you know, they've got that going. Via, who did not play Monday, is a real force in the middle when he plays at nose. You know, and you know, and then you uh, you have the two linebackers, David and White, who are really, really outstanding loose play guys. White being a good blitzer. The the thing that I've seen go south for him a little bit when you look at their pass stats and their sack stats aren't overwhelming, is the fact that uh, basically they have had a lot of problems. They've had a lot of issue at the corners. They've been a mass unit. Dean's the only guy that's been there week after week. Uh, Murphy Bunting now is back in, but they've had like five different corners play left corner. Um, And so, you know, they've really struggled. And where they have always played tight, aggressive man-to-man with those blitzes, they've been forced to play a lot more soft zone, off zone, and even fire zone at the corner when they blitz. And because of that, it's just not been the same, Matt. People have seen openings quick, which weren't there before, and you're seeing that ball come out much quicker and much more effective on the edge. Uh, both of those corners seem to be, uh, uh-huh. you know, pass interference guys. So, you know, you're playing the world's champion. All of a sudden, they got a wake-up call on Monday, um, and all of a sudden this game probably is got the national focus. This game is probably, um, you know, the game that everybody's most interested in in the nation right now. So, you know, really looking forward to it. All right, let's break it down. The Buccaneers on offense. Let's go over the Colts' defensive blueprint. The Bucks are led by Tom Brady. He is the league's all-time winningest quarterback in the regular season and the postseason. He is the league leader in career passing yards, passing touchdowns, and his 1.8 career interception rate ranks third all-time. And then just pick your poison on the outside, like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown when he's healthy. Evans is the franchise leader in touchdown catches. He leads the league this season in touchdown catches. Godwin is a big play waiting to happen. He has 48 catches over 20 yards since 2019. And then Rob Gronkowski returned from injury last week. He's Tom Brady's security blanket. He ranks fifth all-time among tight ends in receiving yards. And then that offensive line is pretty solid. They've allowed the fewest sacks in the NFL so far this season. We all know Tom Brady gets the ball out pretty quick as well. Um, But this is an offense, Rick, that's going to ride Tom Brady. They routinely throw the ball over 40 times per game with Bruce Arians. They don't mind doing that. They're not a huge running team. What else do we need to know about the Buccaneers on offense? No, you're exactly right. Numbers-wise, Brady's still at number three QBR, 29 touchdowns to eight picks, 104 passer rating. So, you know, he's right at the top of his game. I don't see any real fall-off. I saw a couple uncharacteristic interceptions in the two losses, but overall numbers really, really good. We know what we're looking at there. It's uh, you know, when you defend Brady as opposed to Allen, you know, with Allen, you're looking at an athlete, still kind of an NCAA kid, gets confused, kind of like going to a physical therapist. Uh, when you defend Brady, it's like going to a heart surgeon. I mean, really, he's <laughs> surgical. Uh, it's a totally different approach, totally two different guys. You know, you're right. Pick your poison. 
Godwin has really become the, I would say, go-to guy in terms of targets. They put him in a slot a lot. He catches a lot of balls. He's got 63 catches. And then Evans is kind of their one-on-one guy. They like to leave him on the weak side, uh, let you move over to the strong side, and then go one-on-one. You know, he's a big 50-50, red zone, power forward, um, you know, bank board type guy. He's got 10 touchdowns. That, that tells you all. And I think they're a different team when Gronk is there. Brate's a solid tight end. But when Gronk is there, all of a sudden he's a playmaker. Even though he doesn't play a ton of plays, he was on a pitch count. You know, I think he has six catches for 71, one for 35. And immediately now he gives you a matchup problem, different spots. And obviously nobody knows him better uh, than Brady. Uh, here are some things I think that you really have to know, you know, having played against Brady and, you know, there's a merging of thinking from his New England days to the Indianapolis concept of Arians and Tom Moore to what they do now. But they are, they're sequential in down and distance. It's important to know this. On first down and second and medium, they're, they are. They do give it to the running backs a lot. You know, even though they don't have big numbers, they'll try to test you with the running backs on runs and screens. And what they like to let that happen is set up the play action. And the play action is set up to take shots downfield, either over routes to the tight end or Godwin, or just shots to number 13. If it's not there, Tom will check it down. And, you know, they run some RPO pops, not many, just to keep you honest and get the ball uh, basically to Godwin, and then shots. Second, if they get behind an account, second and long, it's all about getting back to an ideal third down. They're going to spread you on second and long or four open receivers. They're going to throw it quick, rhythm, sticks, options, smashes, jerks, all that kind of everything, possession. And then third down, he's going to play you by the window. If it's short, you're going to get a lot of bunches. You're going to get a lot of rubs in short like Tom used to do here at Indianapolis. If it goes a little bit longer, they run what we call a two-option or bringing everybody in, which I still call the Indy Drive. And again, third down, 14, Godwin is the key. And then uh, the second thing is very important that you understand what he's trying to get done with his three-by-one sets. And he runs two different three-by-one sets. One where Evans is the weak side receiver and Gronk is over there strong with Godwin. And what he wants there, he wants you to come over strong and he's going to isolate back. If you don't come strong, then Gronk's going to get the ball. Then he likes the speed trips with three receivers to the field, Gronkowski on the weak side with Fournette, and then they play games two-on-two on the backside. And if he can get Gronkowski on a smaller, shorter player, then you're going to get the fade game to him at that 6'7 height. Understand that when you get started. Must. Don't let the running game get going. Even though it's not good statistically, Fournette is 4'3", Jones is 4.4 rush per and so they, they, those guys are pretty good backs, believe it or not, with the back bad statistics that they have. They just choose not to run it very much. But the other reason you don't want to get the running game going is because if you have to commit guys to stop the run, then he's going to just kill you with that play-action game. All right, number two, this is the difference. And in Allen, this is where you go from physical therapist to heart surgeon, okay? Do not show Tom Brady a pre-snap look mm-hmm. where you, you undressed your corner. Same way when you played Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, those kind of guys. They are they have doctor's degrees before the snap. And if you undress your corner on an Evans or you undress somebody on Gronkowski, 
he is going to take it and he's going to he's going to know ahead of time which it just makes him that much more accurate you got to play really tight windows from numbers to numbers you got to match people tight tom has made a living for 20 years I, I played against his second start. I was at the Saints. His second start in Foxborough was against us in 2001. It's that long ago. But he has made a living from numbers to numbers. So it's important that you pack the coverage in, occasionally drop the extra guy in there like Rex Ryan used to do, and, and really pack it in there. The only time he really wants to throw it to the outside is if you give him that outside matchup one-on-one with a Gronkowski or with an Evans. you got to pack it inside. Again, number three, I mentioned this earlier, have real good concept on how you're going to play three-by-ones. Don't get in a rhythm of playing them. Have different ways to play the speed trips and the regular trips because really and truly, that's his money offense. When he's up there looking you over and he's figuring out whether to throw it, he's going to get in three-by-one to do that. Uh, very important, number four, that we pressure him up inside. First of all, it's who he is. He's not going to run to the outside. You don't have to worry about that kind of athleticism. And again, he's an inside numbers thrower. So the pressure has got to come inside. Plus, I think they're struggling in there on protection. So if you're blitzing, if you're rushing with Buckner, get Dayo in there, get those big trees up in front of him uh, where he has to throw over you, where you block his vision. You want to get him off the spot. We used to say that about Manning. Same thing about Brady. Get him off the spot. You don't want them stepping up into clean pockets in that regard. And because of that, in those two losses before Monday night, he airmailed a couple interceptions that were head scratchers, Uh very much head scratchers. So, you know, I think there's some issue there. And, you know, because of who we are, you know, we got to, you got to win with who you are. We win on offense because we can pound it, and we win on defense because we turn the ball over. And they've been a little bit vulnerable. You know, there are eight interceptions, 29 touchdowns, but there, a couple of the interceptions have been funny. So it's been a subtle problem for the champions. Let's confirm it on Sunday. All right, that's Rick Venturi. This is Inside Football. I'm Matt Taylor, and let's break down now the Buccaneers on defense the defensive coordinator, again, is Todd Bowles, and he inherited the league's 27th-ranked defense when he took over. But since joining Tampa Bay, he's completely transformed that unit, finishing as the league's sixth-best defense last year. Currently, so far this season, they rank eighth. They've led the NFL in rushing yards allowed in each of the last two seasons. They're number one again as far as that goes, again, this season, giving up less than 80 yards per game, Rick. And just like their offense, they got a lot of big names. Names on that defense, and Dominican Sue, Shaq Barrett, uh, Levante David, a linebacker, Jason Pierre-Paul up front on the outside, Devin White, Mike Edwards. What worries you about this defense going into this game? Well, they are very, very aggressive, and, and you're exactly right. I, I always nickname him Blitz Bowles because – uh, you know, Bowles, he comes he comes blitzing out of the bus. I mean, he's he's bringing five guys no matter what, uh, almost all the time. And 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 you know what? And they have been very solid against the run two and in rush per, uh, which I look at, no question about that. Uh, and the thing I think that probably I think you have to be most ready for if there's something that worries you is the overall pressure. Uh, I think if you block their pressure. I think you can kill this version of the Bucks. You're exactly right. And the reason that they start with pressure 
is that with Barrett on one side and Pierre Paul on the other side, and then the young kid Tryon coming up, they have two edge rushers. They're called linebackers, but they're really hybrid. Right. They're really rushers first. Mm-hmm. So ideally what they want to do is bring those two guys then they have Golson and, and Sue at the threes, and then they got a power player in Via at nose. Now, Via makes a big difference if he's there or not. He wasn't there Monday night, but he's a guy that can really disrupt the game at nose, and so it's kind of different whether he's in there, how you run it, how you don't. But they like to do that. Also, White is a terrific blitzer, um, you know, number 45. He's really fast. He's short small but he is lightning on the blitz so they've got guys that can rush the passer and they're not afraid and they're going to bring it all the time the biggest problem i think they've had to be honest with you is that they have been like a mash unit at corner they've been good at safety um you know uh basically winfield uh, is one of the better players in the league the young winfield at safety he's a playmaker but their corner position has really been a mass unit. And, you know, Dean is the only survivor. He's the starting right corner. At left corner, it's going to be Murphy bunting. They've had like five different guys play at bunting. It's finally healthy again. But they really struggled even in the win versus New York. I mean, they got a lot of PIs. And what's happened is as much as Todd's liked likes to blitz, he has not had the weapon of that sticky man-to-man press that they played in 2000 and 2019 when they were dominating. And he's trying to play more zone with that same ratio, and he's playing zone blitzes. Well, what happens there, it's not quite the same because you're now playing off at the corner, you're playing soft at the corner, and teams are really getting that ball out quicker because you have free access, you're not getting jammed at the line, and they're throwing a lot of one-on-one stuff on the outside, either outs or goes, and then they're throwing a lot to the slots who are wor- working deep outside on that zone. So they haven't, you know, they haven't been as effective. I mean, they're, you know, they 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 have those great run statistics and their overall statistics are good, but they're 17th on the, against the pass and they're 11th in sacks. So you know, they're not the overwhelming team uh, than they were they were before. So I, I think when you ask me those questions, it's you know, I, 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 and we'll talk about it in the must. I mm-hmm. think the first thing you got to do, okay, and, and I'll explain this to the fans as I go, is on early downs, of course, we have to be ourselves, but there has to be a method of being yourself. First of all, I believe you have to play this team what we call wrong, play them wrong. Now, here's what I mean by that, okay. On first down, when you have your base personnel in the game, which for us is two tight ends or three tight ends, and they have their base personnel in the game, that's when they give you a lot of garbage and they give you that double sink. That's where you want to be throwing the ball, okay? You, and I'm going to explain why in a minute. You want to be throwing the ball. When you get in your nickel set, your three-receiver set, now they go into their nickel and they play it much, much more standard like an over and that's where you want to run it. So you want to kind of imp- approach them in general terms, just the opposite you, you would think. Right. Base personnel, throw it. Nickel personnel, run it. Right. And, you know, don't be stubborn. You, 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 every Sunday unfolds differently. You're not going to get 264 rushing every week. I hope we do. 
you know, and we got to run it and make sure they can, you know, prove that they can stop it. But this may be a game where there has to be a little bit more balance in terms of run pass, particularly because of their style and their vulnerabilities. Number two, make sure we protect the edges, okay? And I think Fisher and Smitty are back to the top of their game, so I like it. But you got to do it because even though Barrett, Pierre Paul, and even Tryon, they haven't been necessarily lights out, but, you know, Barrett has five and a half, Pierre Paul two and a half, Tryon three, and they've got a bunch of tackles for losses. Those guys, when they're on their A game, they can come from that outside. So, you know, you got to do a really, really good job mm-hmm. of protection on that edge. And even I'll add White to the equation because he's a big-time blitzer, sometimes outside, sometime in that B gap. So, you know, it, you know, in the end, make sure that doesn't beat you. Number three is the obvious. Attack their corners. Attack Murphy, Bunny, and Dean on the outside. They don't play a lot of press this year. A lot of off coverage, so it should be right down the alley for Hilton and Pittman. Should be one-on-one all day. We've got to attack that outside quarter, and occasionally on the slot, we want to run those slot outs and those slot corner routes underneath that. That's where the weakness of their team this year is from numbers out, okay? No doubt about that. Okay, then I think on first down, along with your running game, particularly in their base, when they're when we're in base defense, that's where you want to play action. Now, why am I saying that? Well, first of all, what he's also trying to do is he's trying to mix it a lot, up a little bit, and he's dropping. Sometimes Barrett drops. Sometimes Pierre Paul drops in there. And so, you know, what you're doing when you take guys like that, you're really, you know, they're big rushers. They're Clydesdales when they get in coverage. So, you know, and then you freeze them anyway with the run fake. And there's a lot of holes in their fire zones now, which which were not there a year ago because they didn't play them. And also into the flat sometime. Freeze them into the flat. Then you take a guy like Hans, take right. him into the flat, mm-hmm. and run a wheel. And, again, what you're doing is you're putting your best players and you're putting guys that are really good rushers, but when they drop, they're really out of character. So I, I think that's really key. And then I just say the third thing, be alert for two things. Two guys are real playmakers. Winfield, number 31, the safety. He's got a million tackles, tackles for losses, passes defended, and, a, and an interception. Very good player in the back end. And then always be alert for White on the blitz. When they're going to bring an extra guy, it is usually White. So be alert for that. And then I'd just say the other thing is they seem to me that they have a real problem when you motion across the formation. In other words, if you take the slot and run him across, or you take the tight end and run him all the way across in motion, they just seem to be really chaotic in their adjustments. I don't know what is causing that, but it it just seems to put them on their heels. So all those things, play them wrong on first down, block the edges on protection, attack the corners, inside play action on those big guys and then be alert for a couple key people right there and get after them. All right, Rick, in closing here, I know the Bucks. they've come into this game, they've lost two of their last three, but at the end of the day, 
They are the defending Super Bowl champs. They have the ability to kind of turn it on and turn it on quickly. We saw that to a degree on Monday Night Football with their win over the Giants. They're looking to win the NFC South title, so it's a big game for them. The Colts are looking to validate what they did last week with another win against a quality playoff team from last year. And we all know the Colts need to keep winning in order to make the playoffs. But how important is this game for the Colts' quest for respect around the NFL. I think one game in Buffalo may not be enough for some people because still going back to last Sunday, the Colts had lost eight straight games against teams that made the playoffs from 2020. I think the Colts need to do it again. They need to validate and back it up with another win on Sunday. Yeah, and, you know, the week the week is a long week. And, you know, what you did last week, as much as we loved it, doesn't make one difference to how we play it right, this Sunday. Right. Every Sunday unfolds differently, as you said. Now, I think we lit up the nation. Again, I think being on hard knocks, believes it or not, is just starting to create us as America's team just mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, you know, we are playing the world champions, and, you know, the world champions, uh, they have the ability to flip the switch. I'm really glad that they played well Monday night, to be honest with you, and they came out of there with a win because after watching those two tapes uh, going into Monday night, I was actually getting overconfident. And so I'm really happy to see that they basically played like world champions, which, you know, for us, the good news is, you know, we, we couldn't we can't afford to linger on success. You can't linger on failure, mm-hmm. but you can't linger on success. Now, we're playing a team that is the world champion, so I don't believe there'll be any of that. You know, I do think, though, when you look at these guys realistically, and I always like to keep it real, you know, they're world champions, but here's what I see that's a little bit different, okay? I don't think they're a defensive team. This is what my eyes say, not necessarily the stats, unless you really unpeel them. I don't think their defensive team is as good as it was a year ago and at the end of 19. They're definitely having trouble running the football, and they have had protection problems inside. Now, those are realities. I think the short week of preparation, okay, and the hateful Lucas Oil crowd I'm counting on will matter. I mean, these guys love playing down in Tampa. Who doesn't like playing down in Tampa Bay? I mean, I I enjoy riding my motorcycle in Tampa Bay. I mean, it's a, you know, they, they love playing in Tampa Bay. Not so much when they get outside of it and they get off on that cold weather that, you know, when they get off that airplane here, it's be a little bit different. And, and you know, the thing about it is, is just remember this, okay? This team has lost to the Saints with the third-team quarterback yep. playing and they lost to a Washington team that is four and six, and they beat a bottom feeder New York Giants team. So, you know, as much as I respect him, and I respect Bruce and Tom, I respect Brady, I respect the team, but play who they are, not who they were. Yep. Play smart and clean like we did against Buffalo. Smart and clean. That's become kind of a right trademark because this is another team like Buffalo that has a self-destruction quality to it, particularly from a penalty standpoint. A lot of dumb penalties. Arians called them two weeks ago the dumbest team in the National Football League. That's their head coach's quote. So there's an element to that which I think is critical. We knew it. You talked about it going into Buffalo, and it became a reality in Buffalo. Now, 
I'll close with one thing. I'll, I'll quote Frank Reich on this, and I certainly believe this. Why not us? Yep, it's going to be fun. Six games to go, and the Colts are still in the hunt. As of right now, they are ninth in the AFC playoff standings, and they've been jumping up each and every single week during their three-game winning streak here, Rick. Have a great Thanksgiving coming up, my friend. Uh, Give me the the rundown. Give me the menu on Thanksgiving at your household and some of these unique Italian dishes that you're going to have on Thanksgiving at your house. Okay, all right. Uh, we'll we'll do the traditional turkey and yep. ham. That's the that's the American the part of us. Okay, yep. the staple. We will have that in whatever potatoes, Miss Sherry. But she does an <laughs> Italian stuffing uh, that was part of the, her family was the Rotello family because we're we're real thoroughbreds when it comes to Italian backgrounds. Yep. And she does, and it, it's kind of a rice sausage mixture. Mm. And then uh, nice. and then the Papa Rick here will. Um, I will do a very, very good salad, which is my specialty, believe that or not. And I'm sure you're laughing your tail off all the way home on that. But I will put that together, and we'll have a really good Thanksgiving. Now, what's what's in the salad? Uh, I put a few things in there. Uh, you know, I, I, I like I No, all right. I like iceberg lettuce. I like those small little peppers that I cut up. Yep. I actually cut up apple chips in it, to be honest with you. Okay. And, yeah. and yeah. sometimes those little cranberry chips. And uh, I mix my own kind of Italian oil and vinegar, a couple of different kinds of, of oil. And uh, we mix it up pretty good. I think you'd really like it. I'll have to have you over after the season. Hell yeah. I have to get you some of that because uh, I'm not used to having Thanksgiving off. I mean, you know, I went I went 41 years of my life not having Thanksgiving off, so you don't know how I look forward to no, this. No, no question about it. I mean, Thanksgiving was just a work day on a Thursday as a coach, but yeah, you got to you got to get some Tupperware out and give me a little sample. Bring it to the game on Sunday. Now you got me. Now you got me hungry here. Along with my bologna sandwich, you know me, I can't break my routine, <laughs> no, you know. No. You're you're right though. People used to ask me, you know, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? And I used to say, I'm working on the red zone. <laughs> it was just Thursday, just a work day, man. You're That's right. you're working on blitz pickup that day. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Tell everybody, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, enjoy the family coming up on Thursday, Rick. Have a great holiday, and uh, we will talk to you on Sunday for a monster game post Thanksgiving when the Bucks come to town. Absolutely. Really looking. I've been looking forward to this one until it appeared on the schedule. No doubt about it. That's Rick Venturi. This has been Inside Football. I'm Matt Taylor. Again, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We will talk to you next week here on Colts.com, the Colts mobile app, the Colts audio network for another episode of Inside Football. Inside Football.